everyone, and welcome back to the Fluid Fan Podcast, brought to you by Sports Innovation Lab. I am your host, Angela Ruggiero, the CEO and co-founder of Sports Innovation Lab. I know it's been a while. You've probably missed my voice. Uh, you've uh, gotten used to hearing your daily or weekly dose of sports technology, innovation, uh, and really diving into uh, you know the minds of the leaders in the space. But happy to announce I'm back from maternity leave. I was out giving birth to a little baby boy. He's sleeping through the night. Everything is good at home. I'm excited to be back with you all talking sports, talking tech, talking innovation. And there couldn't be a better time, I think, for this podcast. Uh, we're here as a resource to the industry to help understand trends, understand the market, understanding the, the people and products driving that change. And, and with COVID, with so much going on globally, we've made an effort to lead during this pandemic. We started with a free Slack community. We have almost a thousand professionals that are part of that today. Please join. Uh, we're creating different COVID dashboards and trackers you can have access to. We actually have a Ask Me Anything uh, webinar series where you can actually talk and ask questions to industry leaders. That happens once a week. And our newest research tool was launched called the PowerPlay Index. I love that name, by the way, being a hockey player. Um, but it's all about decision making. What are the ways that we can very easily let you see a part of the market, in this case, connectivity, uh, and make a decision around who to work with. So the Power Play Index is live. So there's lots of resources out there, sportsilab.com. Follow us on Twitter at sportsilab. And of course, LinkedIn. We love thinking through how to support you, the individual and your business at the end of the day. Today's guest is by far one of my favorite people, um, Ricardo Fort head of global partnerships at Coca-Cola. He's someone that I've known for many, many years uh, through my sporting career as an Olympic athlete. I was actually sponsored by Coca-Cola and Visa, one of his prior companies. So I've gotten to know him on a personal level. Um, and now on a professional level, he's, Ricardo has spent his entire career in the marketing and sponsorship world. Um, and he's now a member of our Next Generation Sponsorship Leadership Board. So uh, I got to know him obviously on the, on the professional side. And he's done amazing things. Uh, well, I'm so excited to have him as our guest. He's spent times with brands like Kellogg, Unilever, Dannon, Visa, and of course, Coca-Cola, uh, growing the global footprint of each company. Um, and in his current role, he's responsible for leading all aspects of Coca-Cola's relationships with the best sports entertainment organizations in the world, not limited to the Olympic Committee, which, as you all know, I have eight years on the Olympic Committee and, and proud to say that they, they've actually been the longest standing sponsor of the Olympics and have recently renewed that, that contract. He's also responsible for the relationship with FIFA and the World Cup, UEFA, Special Olympics, uh, and many, many more. So has this amazing global perspective that he'll bring to our conversation today. We'll also talk about Ricardo's work um, and his passion for sports. Uh, he's Brazilian, so he brings that passion to the table um, and, and how sports, in his words, can bring the world together. So without further delay, please welcome today's guest, Head of Global Partnerships at Coca-Cola, Ricardo Ford. Welcome to the Sports Innovation Lab's Fluid Fan Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Angela Ruggiero. It's been a while. I had a baby. 
uh, I was out for three months um, giving birth to a beautiful little boy. Um, I'm so excited to be back. Obviously, there's so much going on in the sports industry. And as we thought about who could be someone in the industry sitting at the top, making hard decisions, you know, weathering this pandemic um, in, a, in a really important position, um, I said, I'd love to have Ricardo Fort, the head of global sponsorships at the Coca-Cola company. He's a member of our Next Generation Sponsorship Leadership Board, someone that I've known for many, many years. So excited to have you on the show, Ricardo. Hello, Angela. How are you? Good to talk to you. Oh, I love your accent too. This is going to be a great show. <laughs> so excited because obviously you've been everywhere, I think, sharing with the industry a bit of your perspective of, of what's going on. You've head up Coca-Cola, obviously, since 2016. Um, before that, you were with Visa. Um, you've worked in a, a number of different groups, obviously, over the years. And outside of Coca-Cola, the Kellogg Company, Unilever. You understand brands. You understand sponsorship. So let's dive into some questions around next-gen sponsorship, how you're feeling. Um, but first, walk the listeners, especially those through a bit of your um, professional background, because I, I always want to make sure we know where you come from, your perspective, obviously through experience, but also passion. And you have a lot of passion around the sports industry. So walk us through briefly your, your professional career and how you ended up at Coca-Cola. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm Brazilian, if you can notice by my accent, and uh, I grew up in Brazil. My, my background um, is in general marketing. I'm a civil engineer by training that, thanks to Unilever, transitioned to, to marketing. And I've been doing brand management and marketing, different roles in marketing for uh, throughout my career for 25 years now. I fell in love with sports marketing when I moved from Coca-Cola in Brazil to Atlanta back in 2002 to manage global entertainment and global, uh, global football, global soccer. And um, until that point, my whole experience was brand management for Unilever, for Kellogg, and for Coca-Cola back in Brazil. I come to Atlanta to, to manage global entertainment. They, they realize I'm Brazilian, and if you're Brazilian, you must know, know, must know something about soccer, so why not? So they, they allow me to, to manage this project for the upcoming FIFA World Cup in Germany in 2006. So I started working in sports. I, I love the work I was doing. Uh, I worked the three years. It was a great project, great FIFA World Cup. And then I made one of the biggest mistakes of my career, which was to believe that working in sports was not a career, a promising enough career. So I went back to, to be a, general, a generalist. I went back to Brazil, managed my, most of the portfolio of the company in Brazil, uh, moved to India to manage marketing in, in seven countries around India. And then um, I was tired of working with uh, beverages. I moved to Danone in France. Uh, same story, global marketing director for uh, yogurts. And I was, I was missing so much, so badly, the work with sports. That was early 2012. Um, next year, 2013, was the FIFA Confederations Cup in Brazil then would be the FIFA World Cup in Brazil and then the Olympic Games in Brazil. And I, I couldn't be away from all of that. Being Brazilian and loving the sports marketing as, as, as I do. Um, luckily, my friends from Visa invited me to, to join them and to manage this piece of their portfolio. So I went to San Francisco in 2012 and I was responsible for managing their global portfolio of, of partnerships, sponsorships, 
uh, the global communication. And over the years, I, I spent four great years at Visa and um, I, I ended up managing global brands and digital and design and a lot of different things. Uh, but my passion has always been in, in the sports, in the sports marketing side. Uh, in 2016, I transitioned from Visa to, to Coca-Cola. I, I have worked for Coca-Cola for 12 years. I left for five. There were some changes here. They, they thought it would be a good idea for me to return and, and manage the team that I was part of 15 years ago. And that was 2016. And, and since I landed back here in Atlanta, I've been managing the work. Uh, there's a team here in Atlanta and a few other places. I have people in New York, Argentina, future host countries, Japan, China. And we, we manage all the global relationships that the company has with partners in sports and, and entertainment. Mm -hmm. And it's been four, four of my, 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 my best years professionally, personally. So I really enjoy what I'm doing here in Atlanta. Awesome. And uh, you mentioned Visa, obviously Coca-Cola, two brands that I represented when I was training. We've obviously got to know each other through, through those relationships. I was a Coca-Cola six-pack athlete back in 2010, and I was a Visa Go World athlete um, for, I believe, two Olympics, 2006, 2010, and, 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 and a few years afterwards. Um, so I just got to throw that out there. I, I know the brands you represent that you've worked for um, so proudly. Given your global company, I'm just curious what life has been like during this pandemic for you, if, if um, from your perspective, uh, you know, you're, you're managing a global team, have things changed from a, just a personal and, and professional perspective uh, before we get into sort of industry and, and what you're seeing on the sponsorship side? It has been um, interesting. Um, this is the 10th the week that we've been working from home here in Atlanta. Most of the company are working remotely you now for the past several, several weeks. Uh, just recently, some of the offices in Asia uh, started to reopen. So there, there are parts of my job that have been very much affected because we are constantly on the road as much as you are. We are traveling. We are meeting with the partners. The events are happening. So we, we have to be on the road very often. And that, of course, is zero now. So it stands still. Mm -hmm. Everybody's grounded. And uh, it makes no sense. So that side of the job, has been very uh, impacted. The other part of the job, which is when I'm not traveling, it hasn't changed um, a lot because most of the, the work that we do in my team is international by nature. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the office and I'm on video conferences and I um, on conference calls pretty much all the time. So instead of doing that in the office, I'm doing that from home now. But other than that, it's, uh, it's pretty much the same routine. So moving on to the, the sports industry in specific, um, we'll all shift the way we're doing business slightly. In the near term, a lot of the research we're doing at Sports Innovation Lab is around sports are going to go on without fans uh, in the near future, uh, certainly before there's a, there's a vaccine readily available. And a lot of uncertainty is going on right now around, well, what does that business look like? We, if you strip ticket revenues, uh, potentially pull sponsorship dollars away, um, we could still obviously demand some broadcast revenue, but you're, you know, it, the whole model is shifting very dramatically. Give your perspective on what we're seeing today, which is sports properties are going ahead and planning for just athletes and support staff to put on a fanless event and the impact you think that will have um, to your job and to what you're obviously in charge of at Coca-Cola. 
So it, when you look at the, in, at the industry, it really depends on where you sit in this ecosystem. If you are heavily engaged with the event themselves, then you are going to struggle more than, than others. So if you are a soccer club or you know, a team that, that relies in you know, ticket sales and, and merchandise sales and you, know, you need fans in stadium, it's going to be harder and it may take longer for you to, to, to recover. I think that the sponsors are, are likely to be the least impacted piece of this, of this food chain. Because a lot of the sponsors, they are looking, or at least the most, the most sophisticated sponsors, they are looking a lot more at the content that you can get from your partnerships than the actual event activation. Event activation, in most cases, it's, is an is a obligation that we have. But if you, if you think about the global events or even national events, the number of people impacted live is so small compared to the universe mm-hmm. that you can reach through digital media that we are really working for everybody else that is not on site a lot more. And I think that's going to, to accelerate. When, when I think about the, the idea of the fluid fan, the behavior and how you consume uh, media and how you're going to, to make your choices to, to build your, your own uh, media package and your, your media uh, uh, events, I think that's going to, 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 to be accelerated now in the next few months because all the right holders are going to be offering content. They have no choice but offering content. So the idea of a, of a fan-free venue is not something that should impact a lot this part of the sponsorship uh, business. Hmm. So I love the segue. The, our whole research trend, Fluid Fandom, is about how do you connect? How do you personalize? How do you uh, reach those new consumers, those Fluid fans? And from your perspective, you're seeing this shift dramatically focused on that digital, social sort of um, innovative content experience. Is the change happening more, you know, are there teams and leagues, um, properties that you can single out or, or just trends you can point to on how the, the property side has adapted to continue to drive value on your end? Are there, are there examples or, or certain partnerships that, that you want to highlight? Surprisingly, the, the, the piece of the puzzle that has reacted the quickest has been the athletes. Hmm. They, have, they have improved, they have increased the volume, they are doing a much better job, I think in general, to reach out to their fans and to continue this, this dialogue that they have, they have started. Most of the leagues, because they rely so much on, on traditional media money, they haven't developed their digital capabilities, their content capabilities to the extent that we, we demand. Mm-hmm. So uh, some of them, of course, I mean, there are some which are more sophisticated than others. And if you go, you know, FIFA is offering content now. The IOC has the Olympic channel. So I'm not, I'm, but if you, in general, if you look at the industry, uh, yep. teams and leagues, uh, they're not, they're not uh, staffed. They're not structured to provide the content that, that we have been demanding. So yep. now they have no other choice but doing this. Otherwise, they may end up without sponsors. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to, to impact positively the sponsor side because we've been we've been demanding this for a long time um you know if i I can give you a few examples there there are endless number of athletes uh doing sessions from you know coaching fans just doing live interviews and i saw a couple of them from now from tennis with now federer and djokovic and and nadal great content i mean that could be no prime time tv that now we have 
available at any time. Um, but at the same time, we have other partnerships with clubs, soccer clubs in different countries, and they are just, you know, with their arms crossed, waiting for the, the tournaments to, to resume. Well, what I love that you said is that athletes are leading the way. Always love to hear that, obviously, uh, as, a, as a former athlete. It is the trend we're seeing, our research. We have a whole board, leadership board around athlete-driven media that launched in January, actually. And it is, you know, the power is in the hands of the athlete now. They're more nimble, to your point, of versus the properties themselves. We know that fluid fans follow athletes more than they follow properties in a lot of cases. You know, you just look at the followers, um, relatively speaking, and that they're able to, again, potentially drive the content that you're looking for as a brand. And, you know, my hope, Ricardo, is that the industry recognizes that and, and follows suit and develops more of these capabilities internally. So thank you for saying athlete, and uh, hopefully you'll get what you need down the line. So question around some of the properties. Uh, obviously, pretend we're moving now past the, the stage where, you know, there's no fans and fans are starting to come back. Maybe it's the 2020 Olympics next summer in, in Japan. Maybe it's the FIFA World Cup. And there's that packed stadium again. Where do you think the biggest shift or opportunity lies when fans are back in the stands from a sponsor perspective? It's a future which is hard to imagine at this point because mm -hmm. we just don't know when this is going to happen. Of course, all of us, we hope that a future like you described is going to be, is going to be part of our reality in, you know, sooner rather than later. I think that when, when fans are back in venue, uh, one way or the other, I hope that the leagues have learned how to uh, apply the personalization of the content that they, they, they will be doing online to the fan experience on site. Mm -hmm. the, the fan experience on site is still pretty much the same as it was when I was a child going to a soccer game in Brazil. And it is painful. And, and here, here in the States, or if you go to a place in Western Europe, someplace in Asia, you know, it, it, it's comfortable and it's accessible and it's easy. But in most countries, most countries, it is still painful to go to a sporting event. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are very far from uh, personalizing or customizing content by, in, in any shape or form. But I hope that in, in they find a way to do it, either bringing the fans closer to the athletes or uh, using technology in venue to provide a new layer of, of information, hopefully a co uh, connectivity in venue is going to develop you know, faster and you'll be able to, you know, to have a, a communal experience at the event at the same time that you have a layer of personalization that it's only designed for you based on you know, your preferences. So all of that, I think, is going to, to, to enhance, enhance the, the, the fan experience. Mm -hmm. um, there is a lot of talk about you know, uh, you know, AR and augmented reality in venue and outside. Now, this is probably the easiest thing to do, and hopefully that will also accelerate. Doesn't impact a lot of people in venue, but if you can bring everybody else to the venue remotely, that would be fantastic. And and I think that we have tools to do that uh, today. So um, I think all in all, there is going to be a lot of positive impact for the fan, driven by technology, but mostly driven by the urgency to find solutions that before we didn't have to find. Yeah, so the, I hear the optimist in you, which I love. Yeah, to your point of, you know, why does it look the same as when you were a little boy? Technology is absolutely ushering this new opportunity to take activations and, and, and bring them to life in the venue. Take that viewing experience at home, which you said earlier, is 
the fan. I mean, we talk about the numbers with, you know, FIFA and the Olympics or the NFL Super Bowl and tiny fraction are actually in the venue. It's, it's really what goes on at home. Is there a particular technology you mentioned AR, VR? Is there something in particular that you're really excited about or would urge um, the properties to invest in or, or at least um, look into in terms of activating on your behalf? One thing that I'm very you know, excited and anxious to see implemented is full connectivity in venue so that you can, you can layer different types of content to the, to the live experience. Um, as of today, you know, it varies so much the kind of connectivity that you have that sometimes you can barely, you can barely stream, sometimes you can barely you know, text. So when you talk about the full interactivity, it is, it is really enough, can be a far uh, no, far the distant point in, in, in time, but I'm, I'm hoping that this is what will happen sooner now. And, and when that happens, we'll be able to take all the marketing power that the brands have and apply for the live experience, which I think is going to be great. Just think about how you can, how you can bring music and how you can bring gaming and how you can bring the other talents and relationships that you have in other sports to that uh, consumption moment of, of sports. So there's so much we can do. Um, and the only barrier today is connectivity, which is just technical, it's just money. If as, yeah, as it's as the venues are putting money. Yeah, it's funny you say that. We talk about that all the time, and it's, you know, everyone's, what's the whiz bang, new feature, new app, new, and it's like, well, I love your answer because it's like very basic. Like, let us connect. <laughs> we have a whole, um, we just actually released as part of our, um, our fluid fan research around um, engagement. And the first one is connect. You're, to your point, fans literally just want to connect to one another. Um, extreme networks last year at the Super Bowl, they connected Wi-Fi. 69% of the fans at that Super Bowl use that network, connected to Wi-Fi. That obviously enables fans to do more. Cisco at the US Open last year used Wi-Fi 6 technology, which allowed them to share real-time stats with remote fans live. You can't do all of these activations without literally just the plumbing. And it's something we've been advocating here at Sports Innovation Lab in terms of all of the things that sit on top of the plumbing, all these new features, including fan safety, which is a big thing moving forward. Um, the connectivity might be necessary to make fans feel safe to come back, let alone the engagement and all the things that we're talking about in terms of um, you know, brand engagement and getting those fans interested. So I love your answer. I went off a tangent there because I think you're, you're right. Just invest in the basic needs of the venue and, and good will come of it. I don't know if you have any further thoughts on that. Yeah, no, smart, smart venues is, is you know, what I'm, I'm most excited to see happening in real life in the, coming, in the coming years. I think that's going to transform the way we consume live sports. And, and you know, the, the remote experience of consuming sports has, you know, has become so good that is a really tough competition for live. So you really need, you really have to, you know, to, to love what you're going to see in a venue, to leave your home and to go to a stadium because it, it's more often than not is, you know, is a hassle. Now here, I mean, I, I'm spoiled because here in Atlanta with the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, it's a fantastic experience when you go there. It's, you know, it's really something that I recommend to everyone. It's uh, one of the most advanced arenas that we have in, in the world. And, but that's not, that's not the average consumption. And then, just one last thought on that is um, today, a lot of the right holders are, are, are going out of the way to prevent fans 
to capture content from the live events because of the media contracts. Mm. And, and that's such a, you know, it's, it's a short sight for them because the, I mean, if you have 80,000 people in a venue, all of them are, you know, are, are hubs to create and to, to broadcast content that will make their properties more valuable. Mm-hmm. So they should be encouraging people to capture content, the sponsors to capture content and, 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 and encourage them to work with the broadcaster so that everybody wins, the whole mm-hmm. ecosystem wins. So when I'm at the FIFA World Cup or the Olympics, I can have my athletes capturing content, my, my employees, my fans, and we can all work together with the broadcasters everywhere to make sure that everybody's paying attention to the Olympic Games. And I'm saying Olympic Games, but it can be, you, know, you, can, you, can, you can replace the name by any event. Mm-hmm. I think this is something that we still have a lot of work to do. Mm. I love it. You're, uh, I, I feel the team sport athlete coming out of you. The pie is bigger for everyone, the opportunity. Um, I know you're a board member with the Brazilian Diving Federation, but I, I feel that team going on. Uh, and I couldn't agree more, um, I think is my point, because user-generated content, 80,000 phones that assuming the plumbing is there and they're all connected and they're creating things. Um, I think it's moving in that direction anyway. The smart properties, as you say, that, that understand they're, they're not a sports property, they're a media property. And so how do we figure out the ecosystem so everyone is driving more value? So we know, but we know nonetheless that the sponsorship market is, is hit pretty hard. I think two circles came out this morning. They said they'll see a, a global sports sponsorship rights fees decline 37% this year. So we know fees are going down. I know you take the long view. I know, you know, Coca-Cola, the longest standing sponsor of the Olympic movement. Always proud to say that. You guys have been there from the beginning. FIFA, all the properties that you get behind, you, you know, really take that long view. What's the opportunity then, I think, assuming you weather, we all weather this storm together. Again, I want this, the optimist in you or, or the pessimist, either way. <laughs> you weather this storm together, you're going to get more value on the back end. Where is that value creation going to lie? Well, I don't think that the, a potential drop in overall rights fees is something negative to the sponsorship business. I do think that the, the rights fees have been inflated over the past few years with the, a lot of newcomers with a lot of money. So when you, when you have the Middle East and you have China and you have Russia and you have new, new countries that traditionally have not invested in, in, in sponsorships or new industries like technology that have not invested in sponsorship, they come to the party with a lot of resources and they have to buy the rights to play this game. Mm-hmm. And, and that pushed prices really high over the past, I'll say, 10 years. I don't think that's, that's normal. I don't think that's uh, sustainable. So I see this correction, mm. and I'm biased because I'm on the sponsor side, so I'm, you know, we are Coca-Cola pays these rights fees. So I don't think, but I don't see this correction as something negative for the industry. Mm. Uh, having said that, what I think the future will look like is a lot more of a, of a true partnership where both right holders and sponsors can find a, a financial agreement where they share the good and the bad of the performance of the, of the deals. Yep. So I, I will be always happy to pay more if the, they are delivering more and if my, my, my company, my brands are growing uh, faster. Uh, what's just not acceptable today is there is a fixed fee that you pay and then it's on you. And if your business is, is struggling, and sometimes you know, different segments of business will struggle, 
you are stuck with your rights fees. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that's that's the, the right thing to do. And, and, and I think that as fees dropped, and I hope they do, that will be a new way to, to sign contracts, a new way to, to, to find agreements with, with, with the sports world where everybody will win if uh, the two parts are growing. So this yeah. is my hope. That's interesting. So you believe the market is correcting itself. And secondly, that will be more in a performance-based equation uh, or hope to be where you can actually measure return on investment with technology, which is what there's a lot of companies out there. I'm curious if, uh, if there's any ones you work with or any ones you're, you're looking towards or, or you're sort of just sending out the, um, the hope that we will get this right, where we, especially as we move into the digital age where you can measure impressions and measure potential impact, return on investment. Um, do, do you think technology is a solution in, in the future or, or today? Technology is absolutely an enabler to find the answers that we need. Mm -hmm. However, most of the technology solutions that exist today in the market, and we are constantly looking for new tools and, and, and engaging with different parts of, of, this, of this industry, they are capable to measure visibility very well. They manage uh, to, to measure external indicators very well none of them are capable to measure the, the impact of whatever you're doing in your business. And mm -hmm. I think this is, this is the number one question that I get from, from my bosses and every company that you know, cares about ROI will be looking at how much that investment is accelerating the growth of my business, much more than you, know, you are the favorite sponsor or you are the most highest awareness sponsor because that's really just a, you know, vanity uh, measure. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not really something that matters to us. If at the end of the, of the FIFA World Cup, everybody remembers Coke, but nobody's drinking it, we have, I have a bigger problem to solve. Mm -hmm. and, and on that side, at least for Coca-Cola, and we did it, I did it for Visa before, and, but in the past four years at Coca-Cola, we invested a lot in developing tools that are capable to connect the sponsorship investments with the impact in the business. So today, I can go to all the countries where we market our products, which pretty much everywhere, and I can tell them, if you do these three things when you are activating the FIFA World Cup or the Olympic Games or, or the English Premier League, whatever uh, we're talking about, if you do these three things this way, chances are you are going to get a plus X percent in your, in your business. So I can tell them how much, how many more cases are they going to sell, mm -hmm. how much more profit and revenues and profit they're going to get, and that gives a lot of confidence for the business to, to invest. But without that, it's, uh, it's really, you know, um, flying in the dark. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and these this companies outside, they haven't been able to solve that because this is so specific to each company. So the solution that we developed for, uh, for Visa is very, very different than the solution we developed for Coca-Cola. Both gives the same result, but, you know, it's, um, it's uh, very particular to the business, to the business itself. So do you think there's uh, an opportunity to create a generic solution or use or one of the solutions on the market? Or do you really believe it's, it's business specific? Because you obviously took the lead internally with both Visa and Coca-Cola. Well, we are, we are in a very privileged position because we have a lot of, a lot of data. We have uh, a lot of sponsorships. We have a lot of you know, history. So the, the volume that we have in our data bank for, for developing models is not comparable to other companies. So I think there is room for, 
for you know an independent company to come up with a framework that with some adaptations answer these questions for different kinds of business that's not that's not um, uh, impossible i haven't seen anything like that yet and i'm not sure it's because it's hard to solve or because the companies are more concerned and most of the market is just trying to buy the answers for the for the this first first level of questions which is how how many people are seeing my advertising what's the exposure that i get etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah that's a that's what we're seeing obviously from a research perspective there's a lot of companies out there just doing that but then tying that back to your specific business is that brand visibility actually selling cases of of coke or uh, or translating into real dollars is, you know, up to the companies themselves to figure out. So what about uh, a couple more questions here just on uh, the industry? We're tracking a number of digital properties that are, uh, that, that are activating today. You know, they're, um, they're, they're positioned to succeed esports. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a movement now, given there's no quote-unquote live sports. Um, are there any properties out there, newer or current, really pushing in this digital track that are attractive to you as you know, you're a buyer, um, if you will, trying to find that, that, spot, that, that, that platform, that property that's gonna give you the most visibility. Um, given your, our earlier conversation around digital activation, um, are, is there, are there any properties today that you're maybe not working with or maybe are working with, but just doing something differently um, in this new sort of digital era that, that um, you've been following at, at the very least? Well, there. I mean, we we have uh, we have a lot of partnerships, so it would be it would be unfair to to talk about one and not talk about the uh, the others. There are things that I admire in a lot of different uh, right holders and things that they are doing that uh, I think are are good examples of of how to drive the transformation. Um, there are some of them that are uh, testing new broadcasting models. Um, I think the World Surf League. Is, is doing a good job. Yep. Uh, you have uh, others that are, are testing models for how to engage, allow you to engage with your customers. And I think Formula One and McLaren is, is a great example of that. So the World Surf League is not a partner of the Coca-Cola company. McLaren is a partner of, of ours. So they do that as well. Um, the, the, the bigger right holders, they offer opportunities in you know, the very broad a set of opportunities that range from um, uh, how to how to engage digitally with their with their fans. So um, the Olympic channels or the Olympics in general, there's the, the content is so rich that if you if you really um, uh, create, if you can do you can do a, a lot with them. Um, I like what FIFA is doing on broadcasting historical matches. That is something that they could have done in the past. They've never done it, and it's uh, it's it's just a great a great experience fully fully online um, just to give an example outside the sports world we have recently launched a program with a, a startup called the app where we are broadcasting uh, musical performances we broadcast every day uh, three performances we've been we're going to do this for 60 days so um, there there are good examples in in platforms in content mm -hmm. in in distribution um, or in, in business models. So all of that, uh, none of them are, are, are perfect, but there's always something that is, they're doing that the others can learn from. That's great. Yeah, you, it's, you, you're almost in an unfair advantage, or not unfair, 
you're in a great position to see what all of the different properties you're currently uh, invested in are doing. And um, I don't know how much uh, sway, this is something I, I'm so curious. Uh, if you see one property doing it better than the other, um, how much um, influence, uh, obviously uh, Coca-Cola, these big brands that exist, um, plowing lots of money into properties have over, you know, demanding change or demanding innovation because, um, uh, you know, we see at, at our company the opportunity, but obviously the ecosystem has to work together and there's politics and everything else going on. So if you see a good a best practices, um, let me know because I can say everyone's got to work this way, but I'm curious from your perspective, the, the pace of change that you've seen in this industry over the past few years and and are they willing to change? Again, maybe right now we can just kind of make the question more specific um, given, given uh, the pandemic. No, I think, I think that uh, right holders in general, they are very open. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the values that they see us from Coca-Cola delivering to them is, is our marketing. So very few companies can offer a, a good balance of investment, which is necessary for, the, for their survival, a distribution of their content, which thankfully, because of our, uh, our presence in so many countries, we can offer as well. But also, and, and this is a, is, a, is a big piece of, the, of our offers, is our creativity, because mm -hmm. we have great marketers and we can come up with properties that allow the right holders to be more interesting. And, and you don't need to be digital for that. If you, if you look at most of the rights that FIFA offers today, at some point, they were designed by Coke. So there were no match balls that were used in promotions. There were no kids selected by a company carrying the flags of the, comp of the, of the countries. There were no kids uh, working as, as ball kids around the pitch in, in the FIFA World Cup that were winners of promotions. And so all of that are things that we, bring to, we brought to FIFA at some point in time. And we said, hey, this is a good idea. We want to do this. And you know, I think the, the example of all examples is the, the FIFA World Cup trophy tour. Now, we, we came to FIFA and we said, hey, I know that every sponsor has the right to use this trophy for just a few days a year. If you allow me to use this trophy for an extended period, I can take this around the world and I can make everybody excited for the FIFA World Cup before it starts. And, and FIFA had the vision to say, yeah, let's do it together. We partner on this. We've done four editions. We have taken the trophy everywhere around the world. And, and, and that, that came from an idea of you know, one of us. I was, I was the global football director when we started doing this. And we convinced everybody inside the company, everybody at FIFA. And it's, a, it's one of the greatest experiential marketing programs that I've, I've ever seen. Um, so I think they see the value that we bring in ideas. And when you combine this with distribution and with, with the financial resources that the company uh, puts behind the sponsorships, it's a, it's a great combination. And that's why... Um, partners like to partner with with us. Ricardo Ford, head of global sponsorships at the Coca-Cola Company, sits on our Next Generation Sponsorship Leadership Board. As you can hear, an innovator bringing ideas to the table, activating, um, delivering, always exploring new ways to do things uh, with current technology and future technology. Ricardo, we've had a great conversation, but I can't let you go before you answer our four with four, four questions with number four. We do this as a sort of ending point just to get your thoughts on innovation. So first of all, thank you for being on the show. Secondly, I'm just going to fire these away. 
What does innovation mean to you? Question number one. Well, it means do something in a, in a different way. And it can be activation, can be how you write a contract, can be in so many different parts of the business. So, and um, very, few, very few territories are so fertile for innovation like sports. Love it. What is the most innovative person in our industry? There are lots of people, and I'm, I'm going to give a name that uh, first that comes to my mind. Uh, Ferran Soriano, the, the CEO of the City Football Group. I mean, I think that the innovation in business model that he implemented, he brought to the City Football Group is, is transformational for the, for the global football soccer industry. Who is the most innovative company? In sports, sports tech, sports business, someone, a company that you're looking, that you look at. I've been following uh, Peloton very mm. close. I don't have one, but I, I am a big fan of the work they are doing. Yeah. And they, I mean, they couldn't be more useful in this situation. People are at home trying to stay active and uh, the ability to stream those personalized. I'm with you. I don't have one, but I'm, I'm close to pulling the trigger. Um, <laughs> all right. Who's the most innovative League, team, or federation? I know that you work with many, and this might be a, a sensitive question, so you can answer it however you want. I'll let you off the hook. Uh, but if you do have one that you think uh, really exceeds expectations, um, love to hear your thought in general. Uh, yes, there are, there are a lot of people, and you know it would be it would be unfair to give any, any given know, name. So, not to... but but I'll, I'll I'll give you one, and I'll give you one which is uh, is a usual suspect uh, for how they're behaving in these times of crisis. I think that the you know the NBA isn't a partner of the Coca Cola Company, um, and I am a big fan of of their leadership and the work that they are doing. I think they they set the tone to a lot of a lot of the different uh, leagues around the world. Great answer and great way to end this. Um, Ricardo, thank you for being a part of the Fluid Fan podcast and for your leadership in the industry and, and for being a great friend. I've uh, really enjoyed getting to know you and um, appreciate you sharing your, your insights and uh, experience with our listeners. Thank you for the opportunity. It's always good to talk to you, Angela. So thank you very much to my good friend, Ricardo Fort, head of global partnerships at Coca-Cola. Ricardo, your insights on sports partnership market is extensive, and I am honored and privileged um, and really value your perspective uh, as part of our Next Generation Sponsorship Leadership Board. Thank you for bringing your thought to the market through this podcast. It's a truly difficult time for everyone, and your outlook and belief that we can come back stronger than ever before is truly inspiring to me and I'm sure our listeners. So thank you, Ricardo. Thank you, Coca-Cola, for continuing to invest in sports. It's a great industry, as, as we all know. I'd like to thank my producer, Jack Barlow, and the entire team at Sports Innovation Lab for the hard work and research you do every single day. As mentioned before, there's tons of resources on our website, sportsilab.com. Please go on, check out what we're doing as leaders in the market to help you better understand what's happening. As always, thank you very much for listening. I'm Angela Ruggiero. Till next time, have a fantastic day.